Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Egg Today. Coming up on today's program, it's an important day for plant breeders and crop breeding programs in Western Canada. The Prairie Grain Development Committee has been meeting in Saskatoon for the past four days. We'll hear from Dr. Sherry Stridehorst from Barhead, Alberta. She's the chair of the Prairie Grain Development Committee. Also coming up on today's program, some sad news out of Swan River this week. Gord Cowan, a longtime board member on the Swan River Valley Agricultural Society, passed away at the age of 90. We'll hear from Gord's son, Keith Cowan, who talks about his dad's involvement with the Northwest Roundup and some other uh, objectives, things that he did as well over the years. Researchers with the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization are exploring the potential of using modified brewer's yeast in place of antibiotics in the rations of young piglets. Dr. Heather Wilson, a research scientist with Vito, will tell us about that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, we have a, a hazy sky here in the Yorkton area right now. It might be due to some blowing snow due to that strong wind. Yeah, none, it's certainly not a fog issue with uh, at this kind of wind speed. Any fog would mix out pretty quickly, uh, but the wind is up and most likely a little bit of snow in the mid-levels especially. It gets picked up and sort of trapped there. Uh, we do have some warm air working in, which is causing a little bit of uh a little bit of a inversion in the atmosphere uh, causing uh, things to get trapped as they do. So that that uh, likely part of the cause. The other cause is just uh, it's windy and, and snow is blowing around a bit. And that'll be our biggest issue today. There's no issue with the weather. It is a nice day, mix of clouds and sunshine up to around minus five after a chilly start. We will get that warming. It's just a slow warming because, well, it's coming out of a cold air mass and we're not really getting into the warm air. We're getting warmer, but there is a warm air mass, which is just sitting just off to our out to our west. Uh, if you divide the province in half, uh, Moose Jaw right now looks like it, uh, they're just coming up to the zero mark. Anything west of there, south, west and south of there, positive. We're looking at five, six, seven, eight degrees. Anything east, much cooler. The warm air is going to nudge a little bit farther eastward, but it's not going to get here. So we'll get up to around minus five. 
we'll be able to see the warm air, see those positive numbers, where it's not going to get here through the day. Some of them may get here tonight. will be right around zero late tonight through early tomorrow. Partly cloudy sky. The wind will drop off for a little while, too, and then pick right back up tomorrow as the temperature begins to fall, rising again overnight to zero and then down to minus eight by the end of the day tomorrow. The warm air doesn't get here, but the cold air certainly does behind it. Minus 18 is our low tomorrow night with a partly cloudy sky, but with a much lighter wind. However, anything at minus 18 with a wind 10, especially 20, but even 10, drops the wind chill well down through the minus 20s. Sunshine mixing with a bit of cloudiness on Saturday, minus 9. And our next storm system is looking to be a pretty decent snowmaker. It'll kick up the wind Saturday night into Sunday. Chance for some snow late night, but through the day Sunday is when most of our snow is going to fall. Now, it's still a lot of different possibilities on the exact position, on the exact strength of the storm, but an average and a pretty decent average at this point looks to be in the 10 to 15 centimeter range, likely a little more for Sunday night. I'm seeing some possibilities that it goes uh, much higher than that, but uh, at the very least, it is going to be a, a moderate accumulation for us through the day with snow showers lingering into Monday, likely a gusty breeze lingering as well as temperatures drop back Monday after minus 10 on Sunday to minus 16 Monday. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw and Roblin are at minus 15 degrees. Swan River, Dauphin and Show Lake Russell minus 13. Brandon minus 10. Regina, Saskatoon and Indian Head are reporting in at minus 7 degrees. Hudson Bay minus 14. Broadview Mooseman minus 9. Winyard Wadena Calvington minus 12. The Yorkton Melville region has a partly cloudy sky, a southeast wind at 39, gusting to 52 kilometers an hour. 80% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 12 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 24 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of minus 20 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 29 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 5 degrees. The normal low is minus 16 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 7.35 this morning and it will set at 6.30 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Melita at minus 13 degrees. The cold spot was Thompson at minus 42 degrees. The Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Maple Creek at plus 6 degrees. The cold spot was Key Lake at minus 44 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return right after these messages. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. Some sad news out of Swan River this week. Gord Cowan, a longtime board member on the Swan River Valley Agricultural Society, passed away at the age of 90. Gord's son, Keith Cowan, says his dad was involved with the Northwest Roundup and Exhibition in Swan River for a very long time. I know he served as president for at least one term, but he was pretty much involved, like right from, 
Well, I don't know. He he retired from the town in Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Beef and Forage Report. JBS, the world's largest beef producer, is being sued by New York State's Attorney General which accused it of misleading the public about its impact on the environment in order to boost sales. Attorney General Leticia James says JBS USA Food Corporation, the Brazilian company's American-based unit, has no viable plan to reach net-zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040, making its stated commitment to achieving that goal false and misleading. James says JBS has admitted its net zero by 2040 commitment did not incorporate the vast majority of greenhouse gas emissions from its supply chain 
including from deforestation in the Amazon. She also says reaching the goal was not feasible, given JBS's plan to increase production and therefore its carbon footprint on top of greenhouse gas emissions that had by 2021 exceeded those of the entire country of Ireland. And that's today's Beef and Forage report. It's time now for the AgReview portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, AgReview. Longtime Canadian trade negotiator Steve Verhill says Bill C-282 is a political signal and not likely to threaten future deals. There has been a lot of opposition to the bill from grain and livestock exporters who say entire deals are at risk if the supply-managed sectors are kept off the table. The bill is currently in second reading in the Senate. Speaking at the Canadian Federation of Agriculture annual meeting yesterday, Verhill said each side always has its red lines when talks start, so they aren't really a surprise. Verhill says Canada would prefer that politics be kept out of trade and let markets operate. He says while the World Trade Organization at the moment is fundamentally broken, bilateral agreements are working well and where most efforts need to take place. Alberta will ban renewable power projects on prime agricultural land and erect buffer zones to ensure wind turbines do not spoil scenic views. Last year, Alberta temporarily halted approvals of major new projects amid concerns over renewables' reliability and land use, cooling investment in the rapidly growing industry, and challenging the federal government's clean energy ambitions. The western province has led the country in building renewable capacity and is on track to eliminate combustion of coal for power this year, six years ahead of schedule. Alberta's right-of-centre government said the pause on approvals would be lifted today, but it would from now on take an agriculture-first approach with proposed projects. The province will bar renewable generation projects on land it deems has excellent or good irrigation capability and will set up buffer zones of a minimum of 35 kilometres around protected areas, or what the government considers pristine views. Canola prices on the Intercontinental Exchange went up during the week ended yesterday, but signs of upcoming extended rallies are hard to come by. Ken Ball, a Winnipeg-based trader at PI Financial, says canola's behaviour was similar to other crops, including corn, wheat and soybeans. With spring approaching, as well as potential lows in prices, Ball expects more short covering in the coming weeks and end users to increase their coverage. Soy oil placed large amounts of pressure on canola prices, according to Ball. Over the past 10 sessions, the May contract declined eight times and lost $1.74 US per pound over that span. While Canada's canola crush has increased over the past year, Exports have been down nearly 33%, causing even more pressure on the oilseed. However, there are whispers that much-needed overseas demand may be coming. Poland isn't ruling out introducing a ban on agricultural products from Russia. Like much of Europe, Poland has been gripped by protests in recent weeks as farmers demonstrate against European Union environmental regulations 
and what they say is unfair competition from Ukraine since the bloc waived duties on imports in 2022. However, Polish Prime Minister Donald Tusk says agricultural products from Russia and Belarus were also causing market distortions. Tusk says the European Union needs to seriously focus on better regulations when it comes to the import of cereals and food products from the East. Tusk was to meet the farmers' leaders today. SureSource Agronomy is rolling out a line of crop nutrient products derived from the excrement, exoskeletons, and discarded feed materials of crickets. The insects are raised in the state-of-the-art Aspire insect farming facility in London, Ontario, and their byproduct is called Frass. The Petrolia-based company announced February 20th it has received regulatory approval from the Canadian Food Inspection Agency for its pelleted Frass product, marketed as Kickin' Frass. In April of 2023, SureSource was among 10 companies granted $200,000 in provincial funding administered by BioEnterprise Canada through its Fertilizer Accelerating Solutions and Technology Challenge. Program applicants committed to use the money to transition alternative fertilizer solutions from research and validation phases to successful commercialization and market entry. And SaskAg Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose SaskAg today. And yes, it is free. And that's today's Ag Review. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will continue right after this. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's partly cloudy and minus 12 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. It's an important day for plant breeders and crop breeding programs in Western Canada. The Prairie Grain Development Committee has been meeting in Saskatoon for the past four days. Dozens of lines have been evaluated by agronomy, quality and disease committees. Votes on which lines will be recommended for registration are taking place today. Dr. Sherry Stridehorst from Barhead, Alberta, is the chair of the Prairie Grain Development Committee. In the Wheat Ryan Triticale Committee, 21 different lines were evaluated. So they were assessed for their agronomics, so like their yield, their height, their lodging, their test weight, their disease resistance to things like fusarium head blight and the different stripe rusts and leaf rust, stem rust, seedborne diseases. They're also evaluated for quality, particularly in wheat. So that's an area outside of my expertise, but the dough properties the flower yields, things like that. And then this morning, all of the committees are going to actually come together and compile their assessments of those 21 lines. Then we'll know at noon today which ones will actually go forward and will be a recommended to CFIA for registration. And then after that point, then things go to tender, and then we have seed distributing companies pick up lines and do the marketing and stuff. So this is the first step. It's really exciting for breeders, really stressful for breeders, is um, this whole peer review process. Is their line equal to or better than what is out there right now compared to the checks? And we're getting those decisions here today as we speak. She explains how the process works. 
The breeders actually go through and um, before this meeting, it's usually about two weeks before this meeting, they submit a request for support. And in this document, it outlines the breeding history. It outlines where the seed was tested, what its strengths are. So is it a short variety? Does it have midge resistance? Does it have wheat stem sawfly resistance, for example? And then this is a big peer review process. So everyone has kind of a two-week period to review that and say, hey, is this going to move the market forward? Is this going to be beneficial to farmers? And on the quality side, will it maintain that grade of CWRS that Canada has and that reputation of being, you know, this number one uh, provider to the world and making sure we maintain that? And so it's kind of the step before a variety actually is going to reach the farmer and before it even gets its name and stuff like that. Dr. Stridehorse tells us how the final decisions are made. So if all of those three committees on agronomy, disease, and quality all agree, it's just a simple pass. But if one of the committees, let's say, has a particular disease trait that maybe is a little lower, then stuff does go to a vote. That's by secret ballot. So we do the secret ballot process today, and yeah, we'll find out at the end of the day where things all shake out. She notes this week is very important to each individual breeding program. Yeah, absolutely. The breeders, a lot of their professional merit and stuff comes out of, you know, how many varieties are approved. But it's also that peer review, I think, that is just critical for them to have feedback in their reputation. That Because a breeder also doesn't want to have something come here that isn't gold star, because then if it gets to farmers and it isn't gold star, their reputation's on the line. So, so everyone wants the best uh, at the end of the day for the farmer. Dr. Stridehorst explains who is taking part in the meetings. We're just over the 300-person registration mark, so definitely there's the breeders, but there are pathologists, there is industry, so the people who will actually tender on lines, they're here kind of scouting out what looks exciting, what is going to be the next Brandon, for example. So that's all happening here. There's people from PepsiCo and um, General Mills on the oat side of things really trying to see what new varieties are out there and what new potential is there on the marketing side too and what kind of food products these, um, these varieties can grow into. She says the grain industry wants to know what's coming down the pipe. Yeah, absolutely, because with breeding, nothing's fast. We're at a point where some of these lines, if they are approved today, there's 300 kilograms of seed. So that if it is approved for recommendation for registration with CFIA, then that has to start getting bulked up. And, you know, 300 kilograms of seed to take that genetics, if it is the next big acre variety, that takes a while to multiply seed up. So we can still be, you know, three years out from this being on significant acre in Western Canada and you know sometimes something like a, a wheat land took even up to six years to get the seed supply that Western Canada needed so it isn't a fast process. <laughs> Dr. Sherry Stridehorst is the chair of the Prairie Grain Development Committee. Votes are taking place today in Saskatoon on which lines will be recommended for registration by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. Livestock Market Conditions
U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 185.72, down 40. June live cattle trading at 181.67, down 50. April feeder cattle trading at 253.77, down 132. May feeder cattle trading at 256.15, down 182. April lean hogs trading at 86.80, that's up 80. May lean hogs trading at 91.05, up 60. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon, this is Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of February the 28th. We had some brave souls out there hauling cattle on a stormy Monday but we still had 1,350 heads show up for the pre-sort and 130 cows and bulls, a total of 1,480 for the day. This cow market was four to five stronger. The bulls selling steady. D1, D2 cows, 145 to 160, sales to 165, 166, D3 cows, 130 to 140. These blemish cows with lumps and bumps and weaker cows, 88 to 110. Cows are averaging 144. From that good Raymore area, 1,800-pound cows, they topped out at 168 and a quarter, Good job to that producer. Good bulls, 140 to 155. Bulls are averaging 140. From that good springside area, 2,000-pound bulls topped out at 157.50. On to the pre-sort sale. This sale was selling steady to higher in spots. 420-pound black steers, 520. 500-pounders at 448. 575-pound steers at 439. 650-pound tan steers at 401. My favorite pen, 710-pound black steers. There were 70 in this group. They topped out at 376. 780-pound steers at 342. 850-pound red black exotic steers at 324. And 950s at 307. On to the heifer side. 420-pound red black exotic heifers, 438. 500-pounders, 407. 575-pound black heifers at 379. The 650-pound tan heifers, 349, 710s at 328, the 780s at 305, 850-pound heifers, 297, and 900-pound heifers at 293. Highlight of the morning, 85 black steers, 640 pounds, they topped out at 406. And a package of exotic heifers, 630 pounds, they topped out at 354. Last Friday, 310 bred cows, what a sale that was. Cow cap pairs sold for a high of forty-two fifty. Our average was four thousand twenty-five dollars, and the bread cows thirty-eight fifty for the high, and our average was twenty-nine seventy. And today is the Pheasantdale Cattle Company twentieth annual bull and female sale at the ranch east of Belcares. Watch for signs. If you hurry, you can make it for lunch. Sale time one o'clock. It's also on DLMS. The Steelborns, good customers of ours and good people. Don't miss this sale. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. The Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission is asking producers to consider adding winter wheat to their crop rotation. Dr. Brian Barris is the Senior Research Scientist at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's Lethbridge Research Centre, and he talks about the tillering of winter wheat. When you look at a wheat plant and models for it, at least 60% of your yield is coming from the main stem. And then that first tiller makes up the rest. And so that's the other point is that 
You've got all these um, tillers that are just mooching off of resources that could otherwise be partitioned to the spike and to the seeds of your main and tiller one. But if you cheat it back and you've got those tillers there, they're not helping your yield at all, really. And the other thing they're doing is now you've got multiple levels of development. So your uniformity has gone out the window. And that's the other nice thing about higher seeding rates is that you then get this uniformity across the field. And so where does that come in handy? Well, it comes in handy at harvest obviously but even before then your fungicide efficacy is going to go up because now your timing is far easier to figure out because everything's at the similar stage right yeah you might save a little on some input costs to begin with but you could end up paying for it in multiple ways further down that aren't really advantageous at all as for winter wheat fertility winter wheat it, it is a higher yielding plant type over most spring wheat the other unique thing to it is that it's in a vegetative state for a lot longer, but that's actually a good thing. So there's a couple of good things that come from winter wheat. And one of them is because it's in earlier, creates a little bit bigger photosynthetic machine. Some physiologists would argue that that's not necessarily the best thing, but I think it is when you start thinking about weed competitive ability and that early shading and so on. So you've got those derivatives that are a positive, plus you've moved that critical growth period. They say that as soon as you're over 31 degrees Celsius, Celsius, your flowering is going to take a severe hit because of it. Winter wheat's able to do that and it'll respond really well to nitrogen. And so we know it could use upwards of 170 pounds of N per acre. So plan accordingly is what I would say. So if you're getting some benefit from if you did follow up peas, you know what, what peas will give you in terms of a nitrogen budget that following year. So you sort of have to plan what that preceding crop stubble's given you. If it's canola, you're probably not getting much at all. Plan accordingly because you, we just finished up a bunch of work on yield gaps and spring wheat. And one thing we noticed there, and our colleagues actually incidentally noticed down in Kansas, is that we're kind of cheating our nitrogen budget a little bit. That would accentuate even further in a, in a winter wheat. So you do have to push your nitrogen. And then the next thing that follows with that is like, okay, when do I put it down? And so that is something that is always debatable and good for coffee shop talk or in the bar after the conference or whatever. And, and the reality is there's a lot of flexibility there is what we're, all the work that we've done on nitrogen and the way we've studied it. You could be just fine if you put it all down at planting as an example. Now, if you were in, in say a really high productivity environment and you wanted to maximize every single ounce of yield potential, then those split applications start to make some sense. So the more intensive, the bigger the payback, I think when you start going in with split applications, quite honestly, in all the work that we've done over multiple years and experiments, a lot of times all banded at planting is just fine. And then there's a the question of enhanced efficiency fertilizers, right? Is there a benefit there? And I think quite often we do see an advantage there. Now, is it such that we can pay for it every time? I don't think so, but there's something there, I think, that particularly if we're setting goals around reducing greenhouse gas emissions, maybe they deserve greater attention than they are. We maybe see a little bit better advantages in spring wheat when it comes to lowering greenhouse gas emissions, but we do see on the production side, the agronomic side, some benefits with them as well with winter wheat. Barris explains when winter wheat needs nitrogen. Yeah, it wouldn't need a lot in the fall. You know, you think about it, not a lot's happening. You put some down at fall, a percentage of that, 
in the neighborhood of probably 30% of your budget is, would probably all that would be needed. The real critical thing, especially for growers that have difficulty getting on the land in the spring is like, okay, I'm going to hold off. And then all of a sudden it's really wet and sloppy and you can't get in there. And so now your timing's all messed up and you're, you're putting it on later than you wanted to or what have you. And that's why making sure you get a lot at planting is something that a lot of growers actually commit to because they just don't know if they're going to get on in a timely fashion in the spring. So, you know, if you're 50 to 60% seem to be a good number and then the balance um, whenever you could, if you were going to split, there's some guys that'll maybe go in another time to, to chase protein a little bit or dagger that application later to try and get, if they put enough down in the fall and then they want to try and ensure protein, they might wait later in the spring or just because they can't get on anyway, it ends up going on at that time. And then, you know, it'll first satisfy yield potential, but the later you go on, the higher the chance of making a difference for protein. And he says it's hard to say if phosphorus, sulfur, and potassium are a benefit to winter wheat. That varies a little bit. We've done some work with potassium where we were theoretically thinking that it should work, but don't necessarily see the advantages that we think we should. I think there are some unique soils out there that might justify, you know, okay, you've obsessed about your nitrogen, but do you understand that you know, this is a soil that could benefit from bump ups of, of other blends. You know, I wouldn't necessarily discount that. I would say you're throwing your money out the window if you haven't properly managed your nitrogen first. Use yourself, no water and nitrogen. Those are the two limiting factors for just about any type of wheat or beyond that. So get those figured out first. Dr. Brian Barris is the Senior Research Scientist at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's Lethbridge Research Centre. His comments come from the Wheat Profit Podcast, produced by the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this afternoon. May canola trading at 594.50. That's up $3.50. July canola trading at 602.10, up $3.90. May Minneapolis wheat trading at 659 and a half, up three and a half cents. May Kansas City wheat trading at 588 per bushel, that's up seven cents. May Chicago wheat trading at 576 and a half. Up one and three quarters of a cent. May corn trading at 429 and three quarters, up one and a quarter cents. May soybeans trading at 1143 and three quarters, down one and a half cents. May oats trading at 370 per bushel, up one and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return right after these messages. Farm Bulletin Board. The Canadian Association of Farm Advisors is holding another Parkland Learning Event on Wednesday, March 20th from 9 in the morning until 10.30 in the morning at the Community Futures Ventures office at 204 Smith Street East in Yorkton. There will be a panel discussion on farm financial planning. 
Uh, Monty Taphorn will be one of them. He'll be talking about annual reviews, common ratios, margin calculations, and capital budget planning. Monty Taphorn has been working with TD Bank since 1999 in various roles within agriculture services. He's a relationship manager with TD Yorkton Agriculture Services. His current position as a relationship manager in the area focuses on helping farm and agribusiness customers and prospects reach their financial goals. Using a suite of specialized financial products and services, he can tailor competitive lending solutions to match the requirements of your farm or agribusiness. Monty says he understands agriculture and the specific needs of cattle operations, supply-managed operations, and cash crop operations. From day-to-day financing of working capital, machinery, equipment, quota, or real estate requirements, he can help you choose products and services that best meet your unique agriculture, dairy, or cash crop business needs. Monty has been around farming his entire life, as his grandparents ran a dairy and cow-calf and cropping operation. He used to spend his entire summer working on the farm and loved every minute of it. One of the other panelists is Denise Philipchuk of Philipchuk Management Incorporated. She's the CEO, and she'll be talking about personal wealth and cash flow planning as it pertains to ownership, remuneration, consistency, and investing. She's developed a keen interest for agriculture on the family farm in the Swan River Valley of western Manitoba, growing into a passion for providing farmers and farm families with valuable and unbiased advice and information they need to confidently make decisions with peace of mind. As a farm management consultant and coach, a certified financial planner, a certified workplace mediator, and a member and Parkland Chapter Chair of the Canadian Association of Farm Advisors and past farm debt mediation service financial expert, Denise provides financial planning and management consulting services, tools and coaching to farm families, helping them become more successful in their businesses, relationships and lives. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now one o'clock. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A mix of sun and cloud, winds east-southeast at 25 to 45, gusting higher at times, and a high of minus 5 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy. Winds east-southeast at 15 to 30, the temperature rising to zero. For tomorrow, partly to mainly sunny, winds west-northwest at 25 to 40, the temperature steady near zero, then falling to minus 8, an overnight low of minus 18. For Saturday, a mix of sun and cloud, winds east-northeast increasing to 15 to 30, and a high of minus 9. For Sunday, a 90% chance of snow and windy, 10 to 15 centimeters expected during the day, a high of minus 10. And for Monday, a 70% chance of snow showers diminishing as the day goes on, a high of minus 16. In the Paw and Roblin, it's minus 15 degrees. Swan River, Dauphin and Show Lake Russell, minus 13. Brandon, minus 10. 
Regina, Saskatoon, and Indian Head all reporting in at minus 7. Hudson Bay, minus 14. Broadview Mooseman, minus 9. Winyard Wadena Kelvington, minus 12. The Yorkton-Melville region has a partly cloudy sky, a southeast wind at 39, gusting to 52 kilometers an hour. 80% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 12 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 24 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.